there's only six patterns, six emotions. They're very simple. We, we oftentimes equate them to the primary colors, that they're, they're very simple and they're very basic. But what those colors make up all the beautiful colors of the world. That's the voice of my guest, Laura Bond. Laura is the creator of the Emotional Body Method, which helps people better understand their emotions and how their emotions live in their breath, their facial expression, posture, and voice. And then to become more masterful with their emotions and their expression. I was introduced to her work in the past year and found it so illuminating for me. I've lived a large part of my life experiencing my emotions as something that happens to me. Through her work, I have found a lot more agency and power to shift my emotional state. This episode is for you if you feel your emotions get the best of you. My name is Jeffrey Schwinghammer, and welcome to the Expand Your Ability podcast. This show is about how to develop body awareness so we can have a more rich and friendly connection with our bodies. And from there, we can live with more power and choice. Before we get to the interview, I want to share a little bit more about my guest, Laura Bond. Laura is a full professor at the University of North Carolina, Asheville, and is a certified master teacher of the Estelle voice technique and Elba emoting. She teaches physical emotion regulation methods in university classes, private lessons, and through national and international workshops. She is the author of two books, Team for Actors, A Holistic Approach to Embodied Acting, and The Emotional Body, A Method for Physical Self-Regulation. All right, on to the interview. Welcome to the show, Laura. How are you? I'm doing well, Jeffrey. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So good to have you on. Um, it's been an absolute treat. Uh, I've been part of your program for about seven weeks this past fall, and it was really awesome. And so I'm really happy to have you on the show and to talk about the emotional body. Thank you. It's been a pleasure working with you these last seven weeks as well. Yeah. So, yeah, to start, I'm curious, you know, what is the emotional body in a nutshell? Get us started. In a nutshell, it's a somatic or physical approach to emotion regulation. And the way that we approach this method is it's based in a a very exciting discovery that was made way back in the 1970s, where they discovered what are called emotional effector patterns. And this was a, a very exciting research finding, scientific finding, where uh, two neuroscientists, or in very early neuroscience, had gone into doing some research where they wanted to see if they could measure emotion in the human body. And back then, that was unheard of. Now, now we're like, well, of course. But back then, that was considered crazy. And people in the science fields were looking at them like they were crazy. And... Um, But what they did after a great deal of research is they found that there were common breath patterns and muscle patterns within essentially the face and throughout the body that were associated with six emotional patterns that we are essentially born with when we are right out of, you know, the birth canal and and babies that we exhibit when we are little babies. And this is classic emotion theory. And uh, so they made this really exciting discovery. And uh, then these two neuroscientists then also teamed up with a theater professor. And the second part of that research was that they had thought, well, we have to test it and see if you can actually teach these patterns to people and see if you do these patterns, will it evoke naturally the emotion in a person if you can then turn it on essentially in your body and use it as uh, a physical method for regulating your emotions. And so those three people started working with people that they thought, well, who would want to take on these patterns? And so that's why some people thought originally that this was 
a technique that was mainly used with actors. And it's only just because that that's, those were the first individuals that were used within the study. And so after working with actors, then they discovered, yes, indeed, it works. And um, so that's my nutshell um, description of the core of the work. And then the emotional body, and when it was first uh, used and discovered by these three individuals, they called it the boss method. And it was just letters of their of their last names, B-O-S, that they use, those scientists. And over the years, and it has been called different things, but the, um, the emotional body is my particular method for how I've taken the emotional effector patterns and I have applied a number of different somatic modalities with it and developed a very specific way of teaching these emotional effector patterns that helps people access these emotional effector patterns in a, a really reliable, uh, accessible way that, um, that makes it more approachable to anybody in any field. And my goal has been to make it accessible to people of, of any background so that they're not just actors um, and also that it can be used in any profession um, with any individual, and that it's gentle and accessible, and it helps individuals um, use it for all different means in their lives so that they can use it within ways of whether it's just simply understanding their emotions more, having a better sense of uh, comfort with emotion, um, expanding their expressive capabilities, uh, or, or just trying to understand why they do the things that they do and being more comfortable with themselves uh, in their lives, in their own skin, uh, in relationships, having better relationships with others, having um, better professional uh, presentation skills and so forth and so on. And it goes on and on and on. It's, uh, it has um, unlimited benefits as people start to learn the, the method. And that is, that is my goal with the emotional body, is to help us all realize that we are emotional bodies as human beings. And so therefore, learning the emotional body method makes us um, better understand ourselves. A hundred percent. Yeah, all of that I, I've experienced firsthand um, working with you. And it's so interesting that like, like I think my frame around emotions is that you know historically they happen to me. Like I have emotions. Like it's it's uh, or it's maybe I usually dislike the ones I have or something like that. It's like what's happening. But when I came across your work, it, it really by assuming the the posture, the expression on the face, the breathing, like you can actually turn on something different. Something. Like it, it it is palpable that you can generate an emotional experience, and from there go comes a whole world of choice. A whole world of choice comes out of that. Oh, I'm uh, I'm feeling this way. I can identify how I'm feeling. I can find these postural elements, facial expressions. Oh, of course, I'm playing out this particular pattern or or this mixture or entanglement of a pattern, and. I can actually make some choices and I can choose which direction I want to head in with that, with that, what, what emotion might I want to use to support me in this moment? Is, is that what you mean by emotional regulation? I'm curious if you would define that term a little bit. Yes, yes, that's, um, I really appreciate what you just said about, first of all, how you started off with saying, how you felt, how oftentimes you feel like emotion is happening to you and you are not alone. So many people feel that way that that emotion is happening to them. And one of the first goals that we want to work with people with emotion regulation is to help them realize that they are in more of the driver's seat of emotion, that, um, that they have actually more agency, personal agency with their emotions. And um, so that emotion regulation actually gives them a greater sense of 
control and choice, as you were saying, and that that even though many times we feel like the world is coming at us and that that we don't have so many choices, but we actually do that the one of the first things that we teach when we are teaching uh, the emotional body is first how to calm the nervous system down, is how to achieve a sense of neutrality, zero, and to achieve that, um, and to see how that feels in our bodies, to reach a state of calm. And people who have been practicing and studying the emotional body method are constantly saying, you know, how neutral is your neutral now? And how neutral is your neutral there? So that's, it's really trying to achieve that empty canvas, if you will, and to recognize that um, we always have some emotions somewhere within our bodies, somewhere when we recognize that emotion is living within our muscles, within our breath, muscles in our face, muscles somewhere within our body, we're recognizing that it is there somewhere in very subtle ways. And the more that we learn how to calm that nervous system down, the more we recognize that it's not truly calm, even when we are attempting to do that. And um, so that's helping us recognize that we even have that choice, first of all, of I can calm this down. And then once we are in a situation where life is happening, then the second thing that we are doing is not only they know how to calm their nervous system down and that they can do it through breath, through making those choices and um, through breath patterns and the muscle triggers that we, uh, patterns that we teach them. And then, then the other part of the, the emotion regulation is then to make a new choice. And from there you take a, a breath and a breath pattern and then the second part of the regulation part is where do you want to go from there? That instead of just reacting the way that you may have always reacted in the past, we do a lot of exercises where we say, what is a new choice that you may want to make instead? And we give choices in new patterns and we help people recognize what, you know, what are some of the patterns that that have been there and what are some of the new patterns of choices. And without even going in, we don't get into the personal stories. We don't do any. So this is not, this is not getting into story. That's the beautiful things about it is we're not using any psychological methods at all is we're not getting into story. We're not getting into past stories. We're not getting into psychological theory. It is simply fully physical, fully somatic where we're just saying, try breathing this way, try this with your muscles, try this. It's a new physical pattern and then see what happens. And we're just allowing the person to complete the story for themselves and journal about it, think about it. And they're completing that story for themselves so that, that they are making those choices on their own. Right. Right. Cause we can get stuck into habits in so many ways, right? so many ways that like we we don't we're not fully aware of what we're doing and so we play out the same things over and over and so just like in the feldenkrais method like in the emotional body there's this let's become more expansive with our choices let's get clear about all these possibilities and out of that new landscape of possibilities and skills it makes the problems or the habits or the stickiness of the past kind of like kind of disintegrate. We don't have to be stuck in the ways we were. We, we can just choose something better that we like. Uh, It's so true. And first of all, consider how do we get into habits? mm. How are habits formed? And what I like to think about habits of it's, it's, it's a, it's a, like a cousin of learning. So when we think about how do we learn, learning happens through repetition, right? And duration. And, you know, as far as we have a lot of 
things that we do repeatedly over and over time. So repetition and duration over time. It's something that is happening and over and over and we repeat that over and over and over again. And, and even sometimes, you know, through something that is, oh, I like that. Maybe there's some emotion embroiled in that. You know, I like that. I don't like that. You know, it's something that was imposed on me, you know, through family love or family, you know, cultural imprint. There's an imprint there. And um, so those habits have formed. And that's also learning, too. We've learned it because we we learn because, oh, I've thought I should learn that through repetition. I studied, I practiced, I did this over and over again, like riding a bike. I practiced that duration, repetition. And so that becomes like a habit. So our physical habits can be like things that we learned. So if we look at the habits that we have formed over a lifetime, then there it is. We've learned over a lifetime, habits we've learned. Then we can unlearn them. We can, you know, take those out of our habit because what we have to do is learn new habits, is make new, and so learn new choices so that then we can unlearn that habit. And so say, I have that habit is there. And so it's just something we chose to learn. That's the way I look at it. But it doesn't mean that it has to stay there. I just chose to learn that and keep that in my learning, my physical or vocal or thinking vocabulary. But I could choose to take that out of my vocabulary. As a, so it's, it's, I think it's right there in that choice area. Right. But I need to do it through repetition. And so when we are teaching the emotional body, we are doing lessons over and over again. And you probably remember this within our lessons and in our workshop. We would repeat the pattern. So we're going to repeat this pattern again. We're going to visit this pattern again. And we're going to do it this way now. We're going to do it lying down. Now we're going to do it sitting. Now we're going to do it in this exercise. Now we're going to do it with our voices. Now we're going to do it standing and moving. Now we're going to do it in activity. Now we're going to do it applying to life. Um, now we're going to do it by, you know, interacting with others. Um, but we, you, there's only six patterns, six emotions. They're very simple. But they're like the primary colors we, we oftentimes equate them to the primary colors, that they're, they're very simple and they're very basic, but what those colors make up all the beautiful colors of the world. And that's the same thing with classic emotion theory, is classic emotion theory says that we were born with very simple, basic emotions, but when you mix them, you get all the incredible emotions that we are expressing in our lives. And then you mix that with culture and and uh, life experience, and then you've got all our incredible, amazing human beings and all the rich expressions we have in the world. And uh, it's endless. And it's also confusing. There's so much complexity, all these variables, right? In terms of just a simple set to start with, the six patterns, can mix and interrelate in all different ways, also with the gesture, the posture of the body, the use of the hands, the face, the eyes. I, I mean, th yeah, right, theater is, is the study of that for actors, right? To, to how, do you, how do you convey subtleties and meaning? And, and we become masters of that, right? We can we observe people. Like we, we, have an, we have an instinctual or, well, it's a developed sense of the world just by experiencing so many people right and so one might think like shouldn't i be good at understanding my own emotions shouldn't i shouldn't i be clear about this like like one time i've spent my whole life looking at people and yet there's so much richness in developing a, a structured approach to this to to being a part of a, a a program that takes you through each of the six uh emotional effector patterns it actually reveals something that you can't really intuit just alone through the study something more comes through mm -hmm. well we do it's really a good that's a really good point about how much have we truly analyzed our emotions um and it if we think about 
Well, first of all, you equate there's there's two and you compared it to an actor like life, right? That even though Shakespeare says all the world's a stage, right? We are life is like a theater. And it is. It's rich. It's beautiful. It's exciting. And at the same time, actors, their, their craft is to study human behavior. It's, it's a beautiful, incredible craft. And that's my background is, is acting and studying and teaching acting. And actors who are amazing at it, they, they make it look easy. The ones that are incredible at it, they make it look like it didn't take anything for them to act and make it look natural but there is such craft in what they're doing it, it's and it's um it's astound it astounds me when people don't realize that but it's at the same time they're not supposed to show their craft they're supposed to make it look easy and if they're showing their craft then they're working too hard and it's showing through and the thing is is with us what you just said about we would think that we would be good at it but at the same time if we equate the, for example, we're looking in the mirror all the time. People check their hair, you know, and they're brushing their hair and we look in the mirror to brush our teeth and so forth. But we're really only looking at a very small part of ourselves in the mirror. That's a real small aspect of our emotional bodies. Our emotional bodies go not just from head to toe, but from side to side and back to back. And how much of that are we actually seeing when we think about it? How much of that are we actually analyzing? And, and you as a Feldenkrais instructor, I'm sure that you could probably talk about that as well. As the whole somatic body of expression is not just what we really notice. It's, it's what's in us, through us, by us, and around us. So it's a 360 view of us physically. So all around, so it's like not knowing, you might know what's in here in the front of your face, but in mirror-wise, if you saw the back of your head all the time, you'd be like, is that me? Is that really me? Because <laughs> we don't see it, right? <laughs> or the side, the profile, because you're not as familiar with it. And so sometimes I'll see a picture of my profile or the back of my head and be like, is that what I look like from behind? <laughs> right? And it's the same thing that other people may know us by our walk or know mm. us from behind, but we don't. And the same thing, like our best you know, instructors who know our physical bodies and the way that we move, they are used to seeing our movement better than we are used to seeing our movement. And then emotion is also, the more you study emotion, it's also somatically, it's also the way that we're breathing. How often have we truly analyzed the way that we're breathing and really got down to what are my muscles doing? All of, you know, all the way down to my toes and my legs and, you know, how are my arms feeling in relationship to my legs and how, how is it working synchronistic, synchronistically from my head to my arms all the way down to my legs? Are they working together or are they opposed? Are, am I sending the same signal or am I sending mixed signals? And these are all the things that we address in emotional body courses is also helping people realize if they are sending united messages or broken messages too, is helping us realize how to send a, un a unified holistic message through the whole body too. Right. Which explains why there's such an emphasis on practicing the six effector patterns to get really clear like you said earlier how neutral is your neutral right mm -hmm. how specific are you in a pattern how, how how clear is it because like these patterns can be our, our manifestation of the pattern can actually be entangled or uh crossed with other patterns uh and, and i'd like to get into that but first i'd be curious if you kind of how would you describe the patterns there's six of them you give them a unique name, number system. Uh, how, how do you describe these six? I'm sure people are curious, like, wait, there's only, there's six primary emotions? Well, what the hell are they? <laughs> right. How could there only be six? I feel so much. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
So, and this is very, the, the letter and number system is unique only to the emotional body method. Mm. And this is something that I devised specifically for the emotional body method. So when the boss team had first identified the six emotions, they gave them emotion words and they had actual emotion words. And then they kept changing the names to them. Uh, because, oh, it's not really this, it's this, it's, oh, I would call it this or no. And then every, every, you know, as you look through the research of the original documentation, you know, they kept changing over the years. And, um, and so when I started teaching, even back in the late uh, 1990s and early 2000, um, and I would go out to workshops and I would teach even in different countries, I was realizing that the semantics of emotion words were getting in the way. It was not only getting in the way of people learning the patterns, but um, it was getting in the way of the teaching of the patterns and it was creating a block for people's experience. And, and even though our way of teaching the patterns, we would as instructors, we attempted to teach them by saying, well, here's the first pattern, but we're not, we're going to hold back. We would do our best to hold back sharing the word at first, but eventually we had to share a word <laughs> to, to give for the pattern. And, um, but then eventually that word was out there and it labeled that emotion. And, um, and then that colored their experience because the, um, the patterns, even though they're eventually, would be a word for it. Um, each of the patterns has a level of intensity and the level of intensity changes your experience of the word that you would give it, of what you're feeling. So if I gave you an emotion word for that um, experience, you might say, but that's not even what I feel when I'm in it. It's not, it's not what I feel. I, I feel this or I feel that. And so even when we teach it, we don't, we don't give the words. <laughs> we don't give the emotion words. Is so we, what I created was a number and letter system for it. And so that words are not out there. And what, what we do is we share uh, lists of words that are potential feelings that you might feel that give a range. And then we ask people, you know, what are you feeling when you get this, when we do this pattern? And, um, and then oftentimes what they're feeling, before they even see the list of words, they just get the number and the letter. And then oftentimes what they're feeling is, is something that's within that range. And then after they've practiced for quite some time, you know, they see it in the book. So in my, in my book, they, you know, if they've read my book, then they'll see the words and they'll see the range, but at least they know that that there's a whole bunch, there's a lot of explanation to say, there's a lot of feelings possible in here. So anyway, there's people out there who are probably going, give me a word, give me a number of letters. So, <laughs> so, so here is um, uh, what I did with the number and letter system is uh, the first, one of the, the researchers uh, who's in uh, Chile, her name's Susanna Vlock, she used to call zero, uh, she used to call neutral breath zero. She used to say, you know, getting back to a place of zero. And in that moment, I realized that I should start with zero and then call the patterns and start. Then after that, they would be labeled one, two, and three. And then what I also realized is that the patterns, they are actually two, what are called two, uh, there's three cognate pairs, mm. meaning that they are. Interject hmm? something real quick. So there's the six effector patterns, and then the seventh mm -hmm. one is sort of like a neutral, just to make sure that's yes. clear in there. The seventh one is uh, the zero. So, yeah. yeah, so zero is actually, was a created, so thank you for the clarification. The zero was actually not a pattern that was discovered by the researchers. It was created by the researchers as, um, through their research, finding many somatic methods over history that had created a sense of neutrality. And so they adopted that from many different somatic methods that they knew 
from their research would bring people to a state of neutrality. And then they also did some research to see what would happen, some biofeedback to see what would happen if people were in that. And then it did, you know, bring people to a state of neutrality from their biofeedback. So yeah, so that's zero. And then um, for the six patterns, there are uh, three cognate pairs. And cognate meaning that they are um, one, the one patterns are nose breathing patterns. And the two patterns are mouth breathing patterns. And the three patterns are a combination of nose and mouth, where you're actually breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. And so what I did then is I labeled them as opposites, and this will help people understand now, but what do they feel like? (laughs) So if you're in the one patterns, they're in opposites, what people might call positive and negative feelings in emotions, although we don't use those terms in emotional body because we like to believe and we support the idea that all emotions are necessary as long as they are regulated and supporting a healthy lifestyle, that we need all our emotions as long as they're serving us well. And so we don't use negative emotion terms or or positive emotion terms. We just say, hey, these are emotions. And um, so we use uh, A and B. And so you might think that B emotions might be related to negative emotions and A Emotions might be more related to what you believe to be positive emotions. So we have 1A and 1B, we have 2A and 2B, and we have 3A and 3B. And those are the six patterns. Do I need to give descriptions to satisfy your listeners? (laughs) It's a really good question because I I, I sense that like there's a clarity in which if you give the word, and this is so true in the Feldenkrais method, right? Like, because like the thing with words is that they're kind of like boxes, right? Conceptual boxes. You use a particular word and you think you know what you're talking about. You, like you have this background of habitual way of thinking about it. And then the, but there's actually so much around the box, in the box, like everything. Like, and so a different word, like it's almost like words can kind of constrain you in some sense, right? And so um, so it, it totally makes sense to me because in, in the Feldenkrais work, we're trying to guide people to have their own experience of the functional idea, of the movement idea, to find, find that particular relation of your ribs or your contact with the floor where you can get that balance and that counterbalance that we don't say... All right, now you're moving on to six reps of this, you know, whatever, bicep pulls or something, because you, you, it's it's like it's something you already know. So the Feldenkrais work always wants to put you into a place where you don't quite know, and an emotional body is very much right there. And like, let's go where you quite don't know yet. Let's illuminate something that into awareness, and so. Uh, I respect that sort of, okay, let's keep to the number system, the, the number and letter system. Is there a way to speak about the function of the emotional patterns? So not to give them a name, but like, what situations are they helpful for? Or something like that. Absolutely. Thank you. That was a great way of describing it, too. Because when I develop the emotional body the whole impetus for me to develop the emotional body method and distinguish it so in that direction was I was inspired by Feldenkrais teachers. And I was at a workshop uh, with with two other uh, Feldenkrais teachers and I was working with one particular Feldenkrais teacher and co-teaching with her. Had another Feldenkrais teacher that was taking the workshop and and that Feldenkrais teacher said, there must be a Feldenkrais way to teach this technique. And I took that as a, as a mission. And for the next 10 years, that's what I used to develop the emotional body approach to teaching the emotional effector patterns. And, um, and I've had several Feldenkrais instructors say, this is truly uh, 
been, I could see the influence. They, they definitely can tell the influence and in how it's, it's been. And I said, thank you, because that, it really was highly influential. Um, yes, a really great way to look at um, the emotions is, and the way that I often, oftentimes look at, there's a sense of, um, without saying emotion words, 1A has a feeling of, I will give. There is a gentleness to 1A. There is, I want to give, I want to interact with others. And so I oftentimes have that saying, I will give, I will interact with others. Um, And 1B being its opposite is more about I will get or I will protect. It has a hardness. There's more tension in it. So 1A is soft. It is relaxed. And, um, and 1B is stronger, more powerful. And it's about either getting or protecting or standing ground. And so they have, and it just depends on the intensity level of it, though of what intensity level we're taking it to. So those are some general, very, very general distinctions between the two. If we're just truly generalizing. Right. And, and I actually really enjoy that generalization because mm-hmm. I feel like it is, it in, encourages me to come into that world and like, like okay, and make associations for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that like, if if you were to just give the name, the word, or a any word, I mean, you have a list of words for each of these, uh, kind of like a word cloud, if you will. That like even that those descriptions, I I opened me up to an, even a new way to think about it. Like it just it like that kind of connects a lot of possibilities, and because like emotions, I think you know help us interact with the world. Right. It's 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 they're kind of I don't know if they're tools or but they're, they're functional, they're relational. So. Well, emotions were our first language. Right. Yeah. That before as babies, before we could speak. Emotions were how we got what we wanted and they have continued to be one of our languages. Yeah. And if you want the others, the other descriptions, the uh, 2A. I've described it as um, 2A um, is I have, if you're in the receptive, I have. It's a way of receiving in a gentle receiving way. And um, the active mode is I, I desire. I, so I desire this. I, you know, I want to, you know, I want to gently receive this. So it's different than I'll get you know, I, I want to acquire as in 1V, I'll gently receive, I desire this. So it's more like a desirous one. And then whereas 2B, the opposite is, I don't want, I don't want. And so there's tension, I don't want in some way, very simple, I don't want. And um, so it's really simple for people to get that. You know, they easily get that. And then 3A uh, is a very relaxed and uh, jostily, I am, I am just a very simple, easy, I am, I am. And, but jostily, relaxed, boyous, buoyant, I am. And, uh, that's one of the harder ones for people to get And I am, I am, you know, but it's buoyant, it's buoyant. So feel very buoyant and jostled, but relaxed, I am. Mm. And then, so that's harder one for people to be like, Hmm, what could that be? <laughs> and then um, 3B is a, is a sinking I can't. Is a sinking, giving into gravity I can't. Yeah. And so if we are clear about what we're emoting, because sometimes we're not so clear about what we're emoting, or maybe we feel 
kind of mixed up inside. How, how do we get entangled up in these? Or what, what what happens when that? Do you have any stories or examples of? I might want to be this way, but I come across this way. Oh, yeah. There's not. There's there are plenty of stories of entanglements. So an entanglement, a great way of describing an entanglement, is when you have an emotion that you want to express, but there is, and it's, it, and this is the way Susanna Block, the, um, she was one of the, the neuroscientists who, who discovered the emotional effector patterns. Um, she would describe it as, it's like a plant that is wanting to grow and reach up towards the sun, but there is a weed that is attached to that plant and it is growing up and vining up around that plant and it's pulling it down and it's, it's keeping it from growing the way it wants to grow. And that's, that's why she called them entanglements. It's a weed entangling that plant. Mm. And so when we're teaching the emotional body, we are also helping people realize if they have emotional entanglements. If there is, if there is one emotion or even two emotions that are entangled along with another emotion that if they're discovering, and those are some really profound and exciting discoveries that people make as they study emotional, the emotional body method, um, that they discover about themselves and they learn how to clear. And so this entanglement is, for example, and this was one that I had for years and I was so excited to clear it. And this is one that a lot of people have shared with me that, that they commonly have as well. So I didn't feel so alone is that if, if, um, I wanted to express something that I was very serious about and I wanted to stand up for myself, uh, if I was angry about something that I would get tears in my eyes and, or I would feel my lip quiver and, and I would mix, uh, sadness with my anger and it would get me so frustrated that I couldn't express my seriousness without crying. And I, I did not like that, especially as a, as, a, as a woman who wanted to be a leader in so many aspects of my life that I wanted to be able to stand my ground. I wanted to be able to be taken seriously. I did not want to show weakness and sadness in those moments. I wanted to have choice. And there I felt like I didn't have choice because I had an entanglement and I didn't know how to for so many years until I had studied the emotional body. The only way that I could clear it was by studying the emotional body method. And it took me a good, a good two emotional body method trainings to unentangle it because back to what we originally talked about is habits. It was a habit. So it took a lot of repetition. It took a lot of practice to learn how to unentangle that sadness. But I learned that that that, that, that was entangled in a lot of my expressive behavior. I had to learn where it was physically in my muscles and how to unentangle it. But I was able to do it. And I, it was so liberating. And I remember the first time I was in a really important meeting where I had to stand up to, for myself. And I remember standing there going, oh, there it is. It's pure. It wasn't, I wasn't enraged. I just was like, I'm standing my ground. And in the past, my lip would have quivered and I would have had a tear in my eye and I would have been embarrassed because there it was. And I, I didn't have it. And then the next time there I was again. And I, you know, I stood my ground again. I thought, oh, I'm so, I was so liberated. And, and then I just kept going. It just kept progressing. It took regular practice and revisiting it over time. And, but it, it, it gave me my confidence again. And that was uh, a great thing. And I, I feel really, really good as a teacher to be able to give that to other people, whatever their entanglement is to help them find their emotional agency and what in whatever capacity that they have um, and are looking for. And that's something that is really exciting about this teaching. For sure. Yeah, the, the way the entanglements, 
these kind of habitual ways that these different patterns play out in us or that it actually constricts us and depletes our vitality, depletes our agency, like you said. And, and I think that's something that's very central in the Feldenkrais work is as you learn to not have to do the, all these old habits or all these old patterns, you can learn to turn them off. It, it literally opens up your energy again. It, it makes you younger in a sense, because like all of those muscular configurations or the ways we retreat into ourselves, all, all that, even in the smallest ways in terms of how we shift our balance, maybe we're more to one side, these sort of compensations, they're kind of like limps that keep with us. All of that eats up brain power, eats up vitality. And, and in the emotional body perspective, it's like, it, here's, here's, here's a field of posture or movement, uh, expression, uh, vocalization, uh, breath, that it helps, I think, really clarify something in the, in the relational realm, that we can be more clear about how we express ourselves with other people. Absolutely. It really does. And it's, that's why I feel like the combination of Feldenkrais and emotional body is brilliant combination between the two. And I, I happily move between the two in my personal practice. It's, uh, it, it helps us become so much more aware of what we are doing with our bodies inside out in us, through us, by us, head to toe. And, and because of that, our energy use um, throughout our, our days and with other people. Um, this idea of relationship energy that um, Lisa Feldman Barrett, I love what she said. She, she is a, she's a neuroscientist and specialist in emotion, and she refers to this as um, currency there's a, an emotional currency that we use within our relationships with others. And what, you know, if we're overspending or underspending our currency. So in that way, it's almost like that, that energy that we use. And um, I've found that over the years, I am much more aware of if I feel like I'm overspending, overexerting myself and I think it's that combination of what I've learned so much through Feldenkrais as far as if I've overexerted or overspent my energy or my use, my body use with, with what I'm doing with my body, as well as my emotions. If I've been around relationships or I've overexerted myself interacting in a relationship, have, I don't have rela- those kinds of relationships or I'm not, I don't in, get involved in those kind of relationships anymore. If I feel like there that this that this relationship has not been a healthy relationship or this engagement is not a healthy engagement anymore i'm much more aware of it i feel like my radar is more up about it or i, or I know how to manage it so much better i know how to i don't want to say um get in or out of those relationships i think it's more about how to manage the conversation so that it doesn't get heightened. It doesn't get into those heightened places. And I feel like it's more calm. I feel like my life is more calm. The waters are more calm because I feel like I'm more in the driver's seat of what's happening around me than it might have been 15, 20 years ago when I didn't have a better sense of emotional agency and physical agency about what I'm doing. 100%. I'm, I'm feeling that after working with you for not very long mm-hmm. for a workshop and, um, and also in the Kinesa program that we were a part of. Um, I, 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 I want to encourage everyone to check out your work. I think it's essential as a somatic practice to incorporate these ideas. Where can people go to check out your work? Well, they can visit our website. That's one of the best ways to come visit us at um, emotionalbodymethod.com. And so that's a great stop for all our information about our workshops, courses, books, 
news where we post news about podcasts and articles and so forth uh, so they can learn even more. And, um, and I have my book. It's available, The Emotional Body, which is available on uh, Amazon. You can order it through Amazon. You can also order it through our website. I have a new chapter coming out in a new book. Uh, it's a Rutledge Press book that's coming available in March 2024. And um, now that's on drama therapy. Um, and so if anybody's interested in theater or drama therapy, and you can find it um, through um, Rutledge Press. If you go to the Rutledge Press uh, site at rutledge.com and just search under uh, Trauma and Embodied Healing in Drama, it's... Uh, it's a book on trauma and embodied healing and drama therapy and per theater and performance. And my chapter is chapter two. And, uh, but I talk a lot about how the emotional body method is taught and how it helps people manage uh, trauma and uh, how it can be used in that way. And so even if somebody is not in theater, I think that it would be very helpful for people to read that chapter to understand its use in therapy. So if there's anybody who is listening to this and interested in its use in therapy as well, we get a lot of coaches and therapists and who take our workshops too, and I think they would find that chapter to be very interesting. Excellent. I'll make sure that goes in the show notes too so people can find it easily. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, it's been such a pleasure, Jeffrey. I, I enjoyed it. I love talking about the subject, and I, I really enjoyed talking with you. That's my interview with Laura Bond, creator of the Emotional Body Method. Uh, you can check out her links in the show notes. In the show notes, you'll also find a link to sign up for my newsletter, where you can hear about any series or uh, workshops that I'm putting on. For instance, right now I'm doing a series on embodying the masculine archetypes. I invite you to go to a friend or a loved one to reflect on some of the ideas in this podcast. What was interesting or surprising in this episode? Was there something new here? Was there something compelling in what Laura was talking about? The final question I'll leave with you today is... What is your relation to your emotions? Do you find that your emotions run you over or do they serve you? Thank you for your attention.